0: Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. All right, today's sermon text is from Matthew 6, 1 through 18. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Matthew in your Bible. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them for then you have no reward from your father in heaven So whenever you give alms do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets So that they may may be praised by others Truly I tell you they have received their reward But when you give alms do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be done in secret When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you.
1: That's the word of the Lord for us today. Thank you, Sam. Well, um, we are coming to a different section of the Sermon on the Mount. We've heard things like, what we started and, and Jesus calls some people, to follow him, he calls them, and then he blesses them and promises to be with them, be with them, and for them always. We saw uh, that was the Fishers of People passage, and then the Beatitudes. Right, um, promise to be with us and always before we ever do anything, before we even really begin to follow, um, before we have done anything worthy of of anything really uh, pious. Perhaps uh, Jesus says, "I am with you and for you." Always, And then he begins to go on and explain, you are followers of Christ. This is now who you are as people who are salt and light. Uh, And we said a couple weeks ago that salt is what flavors and preserves things. It doesn't exist for itself, but it it exists for the things that you might put it on to make them tasty and good and and maybe to preserve for, for over the winter. And so that Jesus is saying, this is what we are as followers of Christ, that we are to go into our world to flavor and preserve the world uh, through Christ. And he said they were light as well. And and light, again, doesn't exist for itself. It it exists for the the things around it, to illuminate the good and right and beautiful in the world, but but also to illuminate uh, what's sinful, what's sinful in us, what's sinful in our world, and, and to call the world to Repentance and things like that. Um, uh, we, we went a little farther and Jesus says, now I'm gonna say some more things, um, but I want you to know that I haven't done away with any of the law. Like all of that stuff that God gave Moses, uh, a lot of it that you've added on to, maybe we're not gonna, you know, we're gonna expound upon, but I'm not here to do anything radically new. I'm here to fulfill the law, to fill it up like a, like a balloon, to make it full to make us uh, able to understand exactly what it looks like uh, to follow God's law, to f- be followers of Jesus Christ in the most faithful kind of way. Uh, and then he launches into a section where he says things like, uh, you have heard it said, uh, but I say to you, and he says, I'm, I'm God, and so I'm gonna tell you exactly, you've been following this particular thing wrong love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, Jesus says, no, that's not it. It's love, love your neighbor and love your enemy as well. Do good to those who, who are bad to you and all, all kinds of things like that. Well, we arrived this morning um, at a little bit of a different section. And whereas Jesus is, is in, in those first bits, he's telling us kind of how to adjust. And, and I guess he still is. Uh, the only thing is I think that uh, maybe the difference is that the things that Jesus advises us about in today's passage aren't necessarily sinful, right? Uh, we know murder is not good, right? All those things, things that Jesus has already talked about, um, and but but practicing your piety, maybe he's saying don't do it that way, but it's not necessarily inherently sinful. Rather, I think that it has to do, I think with it has to do with how we end up being perceived by those around us. Um, if you look out today, uh, there's a lot of folks um, my age, uh, some younger, who, who just have just really kind of negative feelings and emotions towards the church because of the way the church has acted in, in claiming to be holy and right and, and not really kind of living that out. Uh, testifying to one way and, and acting in another. And so I think there was a little bit of that, especially with the Jewish religious leaders. Uh, don't want to blame all of them because this was uh, part of kind of Jewish culture, uh, some of these things. But I think Jesus is saying, look, if this is the way how we are to be uh, in the world in a positive way. So, uh, verse six, beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Sorry, my mic is... Uh, I don't usually tuck my shirt in, and when I tuck my shirt in, the mic has to go down the shirt, and then it's just the whole thing. Uh, how would you define piety or pious? Uh, I, think, I think a lot of times we define this world uh, word as like um, defining the things that we don't do. Like, I am pious and holy because... Um, I, I don't, I don't know, drink or chew or smoke or go with girls who do. That was a Nazarene thing. And it's, it's awful. Um, but it's like, these are the things I don't do. I don't vote this way. Um, I don't, you know, I don't associate with people like that. And so therefore by, by virtue of my distance from uncleanliness, I am holy and I am pious. Uh, and, and we get a, a level of arrogance that goes along with that. And, and it's a holier than thou. And, and I hope, I hope you don't know people like this, but I'm, ge- I'm guessing that you do know someone who is like super, super pious, super religious, super Christians. I don't know. Uh, and, and it's just like the, they, the things that they do are meant to broadcast their own Holiness own goodness, and Jesus is saying, uh, "Beware of practicing your piety before others to be seen by them, for they have no for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven." Uh, I, I, piety, though the word that Jesus uses here, has less to do with, with the things that you don't do than it does with um, the compassionate deeds that you might do for others. Uh, so when you volunteer at Open Table to serve on a Monday night after you've gotten your food handler's card and paid the $15 from the county, um, like then that's, that's an expression of your piety. It's an expression of, of using what you have to love and care for other people. Uh, that's piety. We might call them, maybe, maybe our tradition has a little bit of a allergic reaction to this phrase, but good works, right? Uh, it's not ways that we earn the salvation that God has given us. It's ways we respond to what God has done for us. And Jesus is saying very very clearly right here that what you do, if it is an act of loving others, always we say is, an, is how we show we love God, right? We love God through loving others. When you do those acts, don't make a big deal about it. Don't advertise it. Maybe don't post it on the Facebook that you have done this wonderful thing. Um, I, I worked for a pastor who, that was his mindset. Like anything we did uh, that was good, we had to like broadcast it um, because he wanted our church to be a uh, household name within 15 minutes radius of of our church. And this was in St. Louis. So that gets you a lot of people, right? Uh, but th- that was the aim of his, anything we did, if we did uh, uh, compassionate ministry in any kind of way, it was so that people would know that our church sits behind big lots uh, and come to us because we are good people. And Jesus says uh, uh, that you are not going to get any extra reward. Not, not that it's about reward, but uh, he goes on to say, um, whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do, uh, so that may they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. Jesus is saying if you, if you do these compassionate works, these works of mercy, good deeds, good works, whatever you might want to call them, and you're advertising them to everybody, you've already gotten everything out of it that you are ever going to get out of it. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily count as loving God because you're not really loving your neighbors, you're using your neighbors for pub, pub, publicity's sake. Does that make sense? Now, uh, this gets tricky for the church because our job is to take the gospel out into our world. And we, wanna, we want people to know that, you know, like part of what it means to be a good Christian is to do something like serve at open table, uh, to help with faith paternity, or to, you know, buy clothes for someone who needs it and feed, feed people who need it, to advocate for, for kids in the foster care system. Uh, we want people to know that that's, that's a significant part of how we exercise our faith is through being compassionate and loving for others and yet, like it's, Jesus has taken away our advertising, you know? But, but I think, I think, here's what it comes down to for me. Uh, Jesus understands. I think that, that most of life's relationships have a tendency to be Transactional. I do something for you and I get, you get something in return. Like, you know, you do something, I do something, it mutually benefits us or, or whatever. How I understand who God is, God's relationship with us as his children who are created in his image is non-transactional. God loves us. God's forgiven us. God saved us Not necessarily so that we would give him something in return, but because that's God's nature. And that's God's posture towards everything is loving. And so he calls us and he calls uh, calls the church to have that same posture. To say to those who need, I am giving this freely and quietly because you are a person Created in the image of God and God loves you and so do I. And we expect nothing in return. Uh, Because of our church's location, one of the things that happens, we don't get people walking up wanting uh, clothing or food. We get people who call and ask for assistance. Um, And, you know, there's some people who try to take advantage of that. I've recognized phone numbers now of, of repeat folks um, and their names but, but a lot of times they're, they're super genuous and they just they got bat, they get down and they need $47 to keep the lights on uh, and so we're, we're happy to help offer that uh, and I suppose that we could uh, we could say well I really want you in order to have this you need to come to church next Sunday or you don't get it uh, never ever do we say that um, even when people say, oh, I will pay you back. And I always say, there is no need. This is us trying to be helpful and loving. Um, and I realize that as I'm telling this, we might be, I might be saying, look what we do. We give to people. I'm practicing my piety in front of everybody. But that's not really what, I'm, trying, I'm just trying to illustrate that. Our expressions of good towards the world have to be given freely and without expectation that they might bring us any kind of personal or church glory. But that they are true and free expressions of God's love flowing through us for the world around us. Okay, moving on. And he says, verse five, and whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, you they tell you they have received their reward again, the same kind of language from jesus he's saying uh, prayer like uh, now I should say at the beginning, it was kind of mandatory that you you prayed like three times a day in jesus world, and sometimes in the course of your business that necessitated that you were out away from home and and maybe when it came time to do that, you had to stop and offer prayer, like, and, and I don't know exactly what that looked like for them, but apparently there were people who would make a big deal about the fact that they were observing God's commandments by praying, and they would pray loud and long. Uh, this is a tricky one uh, for pastors, by the way, because all the time we're expected to, to pray in front of people, and like, it's, honestly, can I, can I be honest? Can I be? When, when we pray after worship, that is my least favorite part of the service. Just, and I don't know, maybe I shouldn't have admitted that, because I love, I, I'm praying for on behalf of you all, but like it's just, I, I, some people take that time to make it about, uh, we'll make it about them and their praying and So these, as a demonstration of their holiness, of their goodness, the fact that, oh, I can speak so brilliantly and eloquently uh, to God and God's going to listen to me because I say all the right things and all of the people who hear my prayer are going to think that I am awesome. Now, you probably have never had those thoughts. Um, What a reason that gets back in my head. Not that I want to be awesome, not that I want you to think I'm awesome, but I also don't want you to think I'm a blabbering idiot, uh, which I don't know how often I demonstrate that I'm not. uh, But there you go. Anyway, uh, do not be like the hypocrites, for they they love to stand and pray in the synagogues uh, and be seen by others. He goes on, but whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Pray to your father who is in secret, for your father who is in secret uh, will reward you Public prayer has to be a thing, I think. We should pray and we should pray together. But I think more often than not, the prayer that is most beneficial for us and maybe for our world are the times where we take a moment or two, we don't even have to close our eyes, but that we just whisper a prayer. Throughout this week, I have prayed, Lord help me. Like, I don't know. 15 times a day just because that's what I needed, right? I think, I think that's, that's what we're supposed to do with, with prayer. What prayer is supposed to be, it is supposed to be a moment, a conversation uh, that's between you and, and the God who created you in his image. Um, now, he goes on again. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Uh, It was common to think that gods of the time, uh, that you had to get their attention. So if you prayed long and loud, you might wake them up and they might heed you and then they might do what it is that you want them to do. And the testament of the Old Testament, the witness of the Old Testament over and over again is that God is always watching. Watching. God is always listening. Uh, that as we we confess with the beatitudes, that God is always with us and for us, and so we don't need to wake God up. We can pray briefly and simply. Uh, two prayers uh, that we'll talk about. Well, I'll talk about that in a second. Do not heap up empty phrases. Um, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. uh, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespass okay that's the end of the prayer right there for if you give others of your trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others, neither will your father forgive your trespasses that section a whole sermon by itself uh, and we're not going to go deep into that but Jesus offers us Jesus offers us this uh this pray this prayer you've heard this one before right right we've we've said it here um, it's something that uh, I think is important and I think maybe it's important for us to stay together and sometimes I need to do a better job of working it in. Jesus isn't saying you have to pray this way. Like these are the magic group of words because they're not. But I think Jesus is saying this is a prayer uh, and it's, it's simple. Uh, it confesses that God is our father. God is our one who has created us. It confesses that God is holy. Um, it I- expresses a longing for God's kingdom, for everything to be as it should be. It expresses a desire to see the world put right. Um, it expresses our need to be dependent upon God for our daily needs. It expresses the, and, and confesses that we have been people who have hurt others that we have kept people in bondage, that the people are in debt. However you want to talk about that. But it also confesses that as we forgive, oh, we forgive because, well, really, God has forgiven us. And there's a connection between those, those two things. The Lord's Prayer is not magic words. But I think that you can use it and pray it and expand it. And, and we did a uh, couple of years ago, we did a whole sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, and maybe sometime we'll, uh, we'll revisit that. Uh, but I think that, that this is how God is calling us to pray to confess God's holiness, uh, to um, express our desire for God's kingdom to come and make the world what it should be, to, to express our sinfulness and ask for forgiveness to rely upon God for our our daily needs. Uh, He goes on, and this is the last section that he covers in this one. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others but by your Father who is in secret And your father who sees in secret uh, will reward you. Apparently, there were those. And fasting was one of the main things that you were supposed to do. You're supposed to do good things. You're supposed to fast. You're supposed to pray. Uh, All of those things you were supposed to do if you were a a good Israelite. Uh, But... Some people, like they wanted people to know that they, they were doing good works and like they wanted people to know that they were praying and praying well, they would make it extra obvious that they were engaged in a fast and they would just like, you know, disfigure their face and, and look pasty and pale like they hadn't eaten anything. And, and I don't know. I don't know what that looks like because I always eat. Um, but, but they were, they just to broadcast the fact that they are holy and so they are, displaying for everybody around. Now, Lent is a time where we talk about fasting, right? Uh, this year, I, last week, I called us to maybe fast being selfish, uh, but to try to pick something up that's that's good, that's creative, that that's compassionate. Um, I think that during this time, just like with the, the prayer and the doing good, um, maybe when we engage in a fast, and during Lent or any other time, uh, we do the same thing. That we are not, we don't broadcast it. Don't get on Facebook to tell people that you gave up Facebook for Lent. Okay, don't don't do that. Uh, they send you a message, whatever. Uh, again, this is not about displaying for others uh, how holy we are. It is about setting ourselves up to be dependent upon God and and a posture of receiving what God has to say to us as we do good for others as we pray and as we we exercise self-sacrifice because when you deny yourself something a lot of times it forces you to look at the world and your relationship to it in a little bit of a different way um so that, this is what this is the point I think I think sp- specifically for Lent uh, and beyond I want you to do these kinds of things beyond uh, I want you to to maybe find one little work of compassion or mercy or kindness that you can do for someone else but I want you to be real quiet about it don't tell anybody you did it Don't say this is part of my Lenten fast, but do it because, well, love someone else because you have been loved yourself. I want you to to pray, Uh, but I don't want you to pray. I get a lot of guilt about prayer, uh, used to anyway, that, you know, it wasn't long enough or I'd fall asleep or whatever. Um, And,. I I read some stuff at one point, and it was like, yeah, it doesn't have to be. It needs to be like brief, maybe frequent, and maybe sometimes really intense because you're just in that spot where you need it. I want to suggest two prayers, though, for us as we continue through Lent. Um, I've encouraged you guys to pray this one before, but it's Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I might add to that particular prayer, you are God and I am not. because that's partly what we need to constantly be reminded. Lord Jesus Christ, and you can do it with with your breathing. Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You are God and I am not. Uh, It helps us to understand who we are in relationship to God who has given himself for us. The second one comes from Psalm 51, which is a traditional psalm that we read during uh, Lent that we did on Ash Wednesday. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Not only are we confessing our sinfulness and we are asking God to do something about it to help us in that, but we are, we are asking God to remake what's inside of us that is dirty and wrong and sinful. That our heart would be clean, but, but in addition to that, not just that our heart would be clean, but that our spirit would be made uh, ready and willing to be faithful followers, to love others as an expression of our love for God. So, those are the things that I hope. That, well, and I, maybe fast something too, uh, maybe give up a meal. And take that time and pray instead. But don't tell anybody, don't tell your coworkers, uh, I can't go to Chipotle because I'm fasting. Uh, I don't know what you do. Um, But I I hope that that you'll kind of do that and uh, allow God to be able to work in those spaces uh, in your life. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for um, your words to us. Uh, We thank you that you have called us to be your disciples. We thank you that you have uh, committed to being with us and for us always. We thank you that you are showing us the full nature of the law, of what to do, how to be faithful followers. Lord, we confess that we don't do it right very often. But we pray today, we confess that... We are sinners and we need your help. We ask in this moment, in this time, that you would create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. As we uh, prepare to receive uh, your supper, the bread and the juice, we ask um, that your spirit would be at work within us, uh, that you would transform these uh, elements into something that will make us remember the nature of your love, but that will also strengthen us as we go out into the world to be faithful followers. In
0: Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.